Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new edition of Flyers Daily as the Flyers go down against the Nashville Predators. An identical score, only this time they come up on the wrong side of it. 5-4, the final down in Nashville. Uh, Flyers will wrap up this five-game road trip coming up on Tuesday when they visit the Minnesota Wild, who, by the way, are riding a six-game winning streak. They got a win uh, last night over Colorado in overtime, 3-2. to two. And since the deadline, they've done well. We may even see Marc-Andre Fleury tomorrow night. Cam Talbot got the start against Colorado and had uh, 40 saves on 42 shots in that win against the Avalanche for the Wild. Fleury's played one game. He got a 3-2 overtime win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. So perhaps we see Marc-Andre Fleury as the uh, backstop for the Minnesota Wild coming up uh, tomorrow night. But it is Monday, and it is a Monday tradition here on Flyers Daily to talk to the man. You read his work on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Melter. And, Bill, how are we doing? Doing pretty well. How about you, Jason? I'm doing well. Um, team's certainly playing a little bit better. I didn't think we're recording this after the loss against Nashville, a 5-4 loss, but um, the performance of the team it has been much better of late. Execution has been better, and, you know, the results haven't been great, but they've been better. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, I think the two biggest things are they're – a little bit more opportunistic, you know, late, lately. Um, and they don't give up on games. You know, I, I think one of the biggest complaints that was a fair criticism, there was a pretty lengthy period of time where adversity would hit and then everything would just kind of collapse from there. You know, um, I mean, they're not, they're not coming out on top of enough games and we, we can talk about a few of the reasons why, but um, you know, but they, but at least, at least they compete buzzer to buzzer. And that's, you know, that's, that's the number one thing you want to look for, where they're trying to change a culture and change an attitude as the what lingers beyond this season. Because you have to start with, start with that from day one next season and go from there, too. But I think I think in that regard, just in terms of being a more competitive team, you know, there, there have been there have at least been strides taken, you know, to, towards that. So there that is a positive. Yeah, it is too. It is because you're right, Bill. Like next year, you come in and competing and being a pro and being ready to play every game, every period, and to simplify it, every shift um, needs to be a non-negotiable element of this team, uh, just from a subconscious standpoint and part of its culture uh, from day one moving forward, or else things will not change. Uh, that's just it, right? Uh, you know, there's there's the personnel piece of it, yep. which obviously, you know the you, you look at some of the games the Flyers have been in, and you know we we talked about the injury factors and whatever. But I mean, you know, the Flyers have gone up against a series of teams here, where you know they the Flyers don't have the front end guys that, that other teams do, and they don't necessarily have the depth that other teams have too. But there there are ways of keeping yourself in games, and you know you have to play the game that's in front of you, whether that's a two to one game or a five to four game. You have to learn how to win and close out those games. That that's still been elusive, you know. Fi- finding a way to to close out those games, but you know, but but the, the process of getting to third periods, midway through per- through third periods, stretch time in game, or you know, the rather down down you know, down in crunch time of games, ours have been right there more often than not, really for a couple of months now. So that's uh, you know, so I, that that is at least a step in the right direction of uh, a baby step of of you know much that was needed and still is needed but that's you know but that that's at least 
that's at least something that's within their control, right? How how yeah. hard you how hard you compete and you know you, you can choose your own attitude. So that's uh you know that's been a little bit better. Bill, since the trade deadline and we're now a week out from the trade deadline, and we know the moves that they made. Obviously, Drew is the big one prior to the deadline, and then Broussard goes, and you know you also lose Justin Braun, two pretty key pieces on a pretty thin lineup already. Yeah. Uh, but you're starting to see some other guys, and I know Mike Yo talked about this about going to guys like Travis Konechny, like Joel Farabee, and saying, "Look, there's a leadership void there. It's time for you boys to take a little piece of this uh, piece of this leadership puzzle here and start to put your stamp on it." And I think both players have, and both players have played pretty well. They they really have. You know, there's there's the points aspect, the scoring part of it, and that that's taken an uptick too. Uh, really, really from the All Star break with uh, with in connecting skates, but it's also, but it's also being the take charge guy, right? If you if you need a big shift, of, you know, a winning a battle, burst of speed, and you know, even even Farabee twice dropping the gloves once once he was obliged, once he wasn't, but just uh, just knowing when just knowing when the team needs somebody to step up and for other guys to to follow that lead a little bit. You know, I, I think both guys have taken that very seriously. That, that since Giroux has been traded, there is a you know there there's a vacuum of leadership, and there are opportunities for them to step up into that. And I think they've been embracing that. So that's uh, you know, that's been that's definitely been one of the positives I've I've seen, and um, really even even ahead of the trade, but especially since then, you you can see where they they've tried to find another level to how they lead by example. Bill, how much of the recent play has been okay? The trade deadline's now in the past, and you know you look at the team and there's no pressure. And these teams that are in this situation, not going to the postseason, no expectation, can play a looser form of hockey. How much of of that is part of this equation? Probably coupled with, you know, just more structure, more discipline, opportunity, and all of those things. I, th- I think I think every bit of it, you know, every part of it is a piece. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we're it's it's a little like September baseball when you're out of the race, right? It's yeah. uh, you, you you can't read too much into it, but uh, but this, but at the same time, the, you you can you can tell certain things, right? And sometimes sometimes you can just exit exit a season feeling better about yourself, feeling like you're treading the right way. I think I think for Travis Konechny particularly, because Farabee had his kind of breakthrough year last year, but but Konechny had that really going back to the bubble, right? The bubble through last season, through most of this year, until till the All Star break, and really since the All Star break was a chance for him to reset a little bit. And um, you know, the goals weren't going in, and until two goals a couple of nights ago, but uh, but he was creating so many, he was racking up assists and just using his speed better. Really looking like the player who was an All Star player a couple of years ago. You know, you, you can see. Rather than seeing the wheels turn in his head, I think he just he just reads and reacts and making plays. He he looks like you know he looks like the player that we saw a couple of years ago. Um, now you know the, the trick is going to be with him with Farabee with uh, you know we've seen uh, we've seen some good games recently from Morgan Frost, although not necessarily points. But uh, you know you know it's to build on that process and then sustain that throughout whole, throughout a whole season going yeah. forward. That's really that's really the challenge. Bill, did you to kind of stick with the metaphor of trending in the right direction? There, I look at Travis Konechny absolutely trending in the right direction. Travis Sanheim clearly trending in the right direction. I think he's played really well. Kevin Hayes. I mean, you look yeah. at Kevin Hayes, first 20 games he played this season prior to coming back for this stint, 
three goals, six assists, nine points, 15 minutes and 51 seconds of average ice time since he's come back. Now 12 games, but going into the game against Nashville, four goals, eight assists, 12 points in those 11 games and averaging a full three minutes more of ice time. Uh, he's trending in the right direction. Ivan Provorov seems to be steadying now, especially with Cam York there. And, you know, which is not to mention who you did mention, Morgan Frost. Maybe the points aren't there, but you're seeing him make plays. He made some good plays in that Nashville game as well. When you look at all those guys trending in the right direction, that's the kind of thing they need to get out of this sideways season, isn't it? That, that's, that's what there is the salvage at this point, right? Yep. You want to you want to take a look at some young players, some guys who might be, you're hoping, are, are part of the solution going forward. Uh, there are going to be roster changes this offseason. You know, there might be one or two of those guys still involved in deals this offseason. Um, you know, if nothing else, in some cases, maybe it helps increase trade value. But but nonetheless, it, it, it's all part of starting to read. I mean, so many guys on the team have underachieved the season individually as well as the group as a whole. You know, even even with all the injuries, the Flyers should not have been this bad. Right. And there are still still things you can look at, like like the power play. I mean, the power play. Coming 30 seconds in, this should not be the worst power play in the NHL. No. You know? there, there are still things that have to be improved upon as the season comes, comes, uh, you know, winds down to a close. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting when I put together the, uh, the five things preview for the Nashville game, um, I just, I just broke down numbers and from the all-star break. And I didn't realize that well, coming into the Nashville game, the Flyers had actually broken even at even strength. So at five on five, they'd actually, I think, scored 46 and allowed 46. That's no great shakes, but if you look at their their five on five differential before that, I mean, they were they were way in the negative. So that that's been a positive. But the problem has been, you know, the penalty kill coming into today was about 67 percent since the All Star break, and the power play was 9.7. They only had one power play today, but you know that'll that'll go down another tick and the. The penalty kill, although they were two for two, was still kind of shaky at yeah. times in this game. So, you know, I mean, that, that's really that's really been the biggest issue is they they lost special teams battle so decisively that breaking even at the five on five gets hidden and all that, and that's not that's not good enough anyway. You want to obviously be in the positive, but it's just you know, but it's been a step in the right direction. They were so in the red that just to, just to pull even over a stretch of twenty games, you know, it's it's a step, a baby step, but a step. Is, does that take into account the six on five too? That's not five on five, but that's, that's five. That, yeah, that's strictly five on five. Strictly five on five. Okay. Five on five, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're seeing it too. The eye is kind of telling you that five on five, they have been better. Let me ask you about Cam York because I don't think it's any mistake that Ivan Provorov is playing better with Cam York there and the consistency and partner. And I think Cam's been a lot better on that right side, on that top pair than I imagined he could be at this point, Bill. Uh, real active stick at the blue line, defending the blue line and entries. We know about the ability to make that first pass, especially off a turnover. We've seen it twice. And the one game uh, against St. Louis, the quick up to Kevin Hayes, and they eventually get the goal and the one-timer by Travis Konechny that just trickles over the goal line. And then the quick up to Zach McEwen, who pivots and goes in, and is able to get that goal in the game uh, against, uh, I guess it was against Colorado. Yeah. Uh, we know about this deft passing ability, but are you surprised how well he's defending on that right side on a top pair? I, I have been, yeah, because he's seeing tough matchups. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
up ice, it's actually a benefit to be in your offside. Mm-hmm. You're sticking is angled, yeah, you're, you're angled, they're angled towards the net. So that you know that that's a pretty easy adjustment, even favorable. But but in your own end, you know where your stick is over the middle, where you're playing pucks on the wall off your backhand. He's playing with a lot of confidence. It really, you know is. that's uh, it, it's it's going to be an ongoing process. I think one of the reasons why he's he's clicked with Provorov, and one of the reasons why I think you're seeing maybe a little more from from York in the NHL than maybe he's showed at times in the AHL, is the NHL is so much more structured, yeah. and he plays a very structured game, very under you know? control. So he's he's very and and Provorov likes that too. Provorov likes to you know to to play to to a structure as well. So. That's why there seems to be some chemistry between the two of them. Uh, I'm anxious to see over the rest of the season, um, you know, how that continues to develop. And that, that's an option. I mean, obviously, ideally going into next year, Ryan Ellis is back up top. But you have but you have options. It's always it's always good to have options and to, to know that if you need him on the right side or you need to elevate him up to the up to the top pairing, you know, he, he's shown some ability to do that. So that's uh, you know, that's been a promising sign. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, like the volatility of Ryan Ellis's health. You need to know that if he does miss a stretch or, you know, miss a significant time or whatever, it's just a couple of games that you got a guy that can step in in that situation and and get the job done. And I, I think you're dead on. I think you're right about both players play with a lot of structure. Like Provorov, to me, is a very deliberate, calculated player. And I think it's sometimes when you see he's very measured in the way he does things on the ice. And when he has a partner that's got that predictability and where he's going to be and what he's going to do, that helps him. And both players have offensive, you know, upside to their game as well. So I've just been blown away by Cam York. And I'm, I'm so impressed because I think sometimes when you look at it, you go, he makes those great passes, but it's like an offensive lineman when you're not talking about him, that's a good thing. Cause usually yeah. you only talk about D sometimes, when they make that mistake that costs you and he hasn't been that guy. No, for sure. For sure. You know, it's, uh, I mean, right now the flyers go two pairs deep and there, there were times this year where it seemed like they couldn't get two pairs going at the same time. Yeah. But now, uh, now the top four is, you know, everybody has, everybody has their moments. Obviously a couple, couple of games ago, Ristolainen had an especially rough night and then he bounced back with a strong game after that, which is what you need. You know, uh, I mean, I, I, I I like the there's there's promise on the upper end of the blue line. Um, still a lot of things to figure out, you know. And and I think York still ideally uh, can play in lower pressure situation with easier matchups, you know, and and power and a lot of power play time, which is which is nice to see for him. And he's getting right now. But it's uh, you know you're you're seeing okay, you know he he can handle some responsibility up there. I mean I don't think I don't think he's going back down again. I think he's here to stay. And he's shown that he he belongs. So that's uh, you know that that's one thing that I think the Flyers are learning. Yeah, and yeah, he's here. He's here for good. Morgan Frost here for good. Bill, I see the play that he's made plays in games. He's played well in his own zone lately. The points aren't piling up, although he has made some pretty significant plays. And I love the play he made on the forecheck forecheck against Nashville, and eventually gets the puck off of Forsberg, and then recoils to the side and. You know, you got a guy driving the net in Owen Tippett who sucks that defender down low, and then he gets the pass to the trailer and Travis Sanheim who gets the goal. Uh, but I like the play, and I like what I'm perceiving as more and more confidence in all three zones out of the player. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing, right? It's, Body uh, language, right? 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, I mean, ultimately long-term, I would really two things. I, I, you know, I mean, and he can, ha- he shown he can handle the defensive responsibilities of playing center. He's had some tough matchups lately. Yeah. You know, even go back to the, to the Islanders game. He saw a lot of Barzell in that game and he, you know, he handled that. He handled that. So it's not that he's so overmatched. I just think it frees him up a little bit offensively. The two games he had playing on a wing with Drew and, and Konechny before the trade. And, you know, obviously those are two super highly skilled players, but he didn't look out of place at all. And actually his game looked very fast playing with those guys. And he made he made a play in the game uh, against Montreal where uh, he faked a dump in. And then he made a between-the-legs back pass to Konechny, who had an open lane to the net. Now, you know, no, no offense to a guy like, like Max Willman. It's nice to see Max score two goals, you know, in the last two games. But he, Morgan's not going to make that play with, with Willman. If he's playing with a guy like Konechny, he can make plays like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, think you see, I think you see the creativity. Um, and he, he almost pulled it off again, actually, later in the Nashville game. With the, you talked about the, uh, the takeaway and the setup of Samheim. He almost did it again in the third period. Yeah. Um, you know, just uh, winning more, winning more bad. I mean, I want to see him generate a few more of his own shots. I really want to see him given the opportunity to see a little bit more power play time. If you look at the Flyers forwards dating back to January 1st, He's 10th among forwards in average power play time. That's where he's going to thrive for you. You open that ice a little bit. You know, I, I, I mean, he, he's on the second unit. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to show your medal in the second unit to work your way up to the first. But by the same token, I mean, the Flyers power play, I'm talking about both units, really. They're not getting anything. Yeah. You know, I, move, I, I mean, move them up. <laughs> yeah. Move them up. Try it, right? What, what do you have yeah. to lose? Because you're 9.7% coming into today. You know, since the All Star break, I mean, and you're 32nd in the league. Try it. There, yeah. there was a game against St. Louis, um, not the not the most recent game, the win. But when St. Louis came to Philly, you know, Frost got a chance in the first unit, and you know, the one thing like you did right after the game was he, he called attention to how good Frost was in the first unit. I'd like I'd like to see a longer look at that. And then yeah. I think then I think you know, a guy like Danny Briere sometimes, you know, his when he would go into some point slumps. He'd bag one or two on the power play, and then suddenly the, he'd go on a little bit of a run. I think Frost could kind of be could be that guy too. I saw some of that with, with the Phantoms. Um, you know that uh, he might be in a little bit of a little bit of a funk or a little bit of a drought. So he makes a play on the power play, and you know goes in the net, and you know next next thing you know he has seven points in five games or whatever it might be. So I, I you know that that's something I'd like to like to see looked at longer as the season winds down. Yeah, give him a little bit more space on the ice to use that he's like he's got, he's got some offensive skills that are like wizard wizardry like he's got real good puck skills and I, it, that creativity when he's playing creative and confident i think he's going to be a guy that um can, can really be effective offensively for this team and that's one thing we're hoping to see out of these remaining games as well as him just grow and grow in confidence and and you know, perhaps getting some points on the board is going to really swell that confidence to a new level. Uh, Bill, the Flyers make a signing. Uh, Noah Cates gets knocked out of the uh, NCAA tournament. And post-haste, he is signed by the Flyers. He's not even going to leave Minnesota. They're going to meet him there. And uh, he's going to burn the first year of his deal. And we're going to see him Tuesday night uh, playing for the Flyers against the Minnesota Wild, presumably. Yeah, pretty much par for the course that when you sign one of your collegiate guys, you you burn that first year right away. It's, it's an expectation. It's not a 
non, you know, non-negotiating chip. It's just expected. Um, it, it's why you, you know, part of why you're able to sign the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so no, no issues with that. Uh, I'm curious to see how he'll do. Uh, I'm expecting him to be a guy who is going to look like he belongs, who can um, move up and down. He's 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 a real you know Swiss Army knife kind of player. He can play center. He can play wing. He can kill penalties. You know, he, he's really more of a third line type in the NHL, probably. But if you need to move him up in the lineup for a game or two, you know, a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say stylistically, he's like Scott Lawton, but just in terms of. You know, his usefulness where you can use him in different situations, yeah. move him in different roles, move him up and down the lineup, and, and who you can count on to for consistency and playing the right way. Yeah. You know, he's uh middle sixer. A, yeah. Very, very smart, very smart hockey player. I mean, you know, he's there, he's not coming up huge points. He didn't put up huge points in college, he put up decent points. But I mean, he's a he's a very 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 smart player. Uh, his brother Jackson is a good hockey player, but uh, Noah's the better player of the two. Yeah, and he's had an interesting year from the collegiate season to the Olympics, yeah. back to the collegiate season. Uh, so it's been an interesting uh, hockey journey for him this past year. And you know, he's a guy too, twenty three years of age. He's coming in um, more physically ready to handle the rigors of the NHL at twenty three than he would have been at twenty. Uh, that's for sure. Well, yeah, Flyers drafted him right out of high school. Yeah, 2017, um, right? 2017, yeah. I mean, he was, uh, you know, a stellar high school player in Minnesota. He was very skinny at the time. Um, but, I mean, one thing one thing that was impressive at his first development camp is even though he obviously had even a lot of experience and he had to get much stronger physically, he didn't look intimidated. And, and he looked like he could think the game like guys who had been around for a little while, even as young as he was, is inexperienced. So, you know, that's something you, you can't fake on the ice. He, he's a guy who, you know, he, he's a guy who looked like he looked like he belonged there. It was going to be some time you waited for it. So, you know, it's uh, he. And, and when you talk about how every player develops at their own rate, you know, he spent a year in the USHL before he before he went to Minnesota Duluth. That year did wonders for him. Yeah. Um, because, the answers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then he played for a, you know NCAA championship team. So he's used to deep runs and playing on the playing on a contest. Uh, Scott Sandlin was a, he's an excellent college coach, and yeah. you know, like he had a Cates was one of his favorite players. He had a ton of ton of trust in him. So I'm looking forward to see how he does. Um, you know, and he's he's one of those guys who I think will have value over and above whatever the, whatever his points end up looking like. Bill, there's a weird stat that this Flyers team has. And I, I want to see if it means anything to you because it's my, I believe that the hardest game to win in the NHL is one to nothing. The second hardest game to win in the NHL is two to one. The Flyers have 21 regulation wins this season. Seven of them, a third of their wins are by a score of two to one. And every one of those teams with the exception of one, I think is going to the postseason. Yeah. The only one I think that is not going to the postseason. I believe uh, they beat uh, – who was it they beat 2-1? to one? Um, Oh, the, the Islanders are the only team, I believe, that won't go to the postseason that they beat 2-1. to one. Beat Washington twice 2-1. to one. Uh, They've beaten some really good teams. Maybe the Canucks aren't going either. But um, when you look at that, they beat Calgary 2-1. to one. You know, when you look at that, a third of their wins have been by 2-1. to one. Can you take anything from that? Well, uh, it, it tells me that they've gotten some pretty good goaltending this year. Bingo. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's exactly where I was going. And 
it leads me to my next point. The job that Kim Dillabaugh has done with Martin Jones and Carter Hart, Carter Hart coming off of early in his career, a catastrophic season. It wasn't all on him. We know that. But he gets a piece of the pie. And the way he's bounced back this year. I know this sounds weird coming off a five the five goals allowed loss against Nashville, but Martin Jones was good in the game. And then the reconstruction of Jones, who played out there in San Jose and his game fell apart because that team can't defend to save their life. Yeah. And the way he's reconstructed his game, I gotta give stick taps to Kim Dillabaugh and the job he's done this season with the Flyers goaltending. No question. You know, when you're when you're not getting a ton of goal support, mm-hmm. when uh, you know, when you I mean, they're they're always they're always the ups and downs and adjustments you have to make within the season. I mean, I, I expect the Flyers going in going into most games. And I'll talk about the Colorado game in just one second. But most games going in, you figure your you know your goalies as long as, as long as the goalies are given a chance to make saves, they're going to keep you in the game. Yep. Uh, the Colorado game was a good case of where they didn't give their goalie a chance to make saves. Yeah. So many you know? great chances. Yeah. I mean. I, I, and it wasn't just, I mean, it was 51 shots. Sometimes sometimes the shots can be a little deceptive. It wasn't deceptive. He was under siege all night long. Yeah. And you look at the six goals that he gave up. Three of them were deflected in by half of Flyers players. Yep. And the other three were screened. So, you know, I, and, and there are any number of other ones that could have gone in. That, that's, why, that's why even save percentage sometimes can be a little deceptive. Mm-hmm. Because if, you know... There are saves that you expect, saves that you need, saves that you hope for, and saves that you go, hey, you know, guys in front need to pick it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess in fairness to the Flyers going into Colorado, listen, you, you, play, you play the avalanche under ideal conditions. Yeah. You're, still at a dis, you're still at a disadvantage. But you go into Colorado play the avalanche, and they've been home all week, and they've had days mm-hmm. off between every game, and you're playing – your third game in four nights across three time zones, that that's almost mission impossible. And, and back to back. Yeah. Whatever whatever goalie, whatever you know, whichever goalie I play, it just just hang in there. <laughs> just yeah. you know, do do what you can. And he and he did. I mean, what he had a chance to say if he stopped. And not only that, but you know, Colorado did not need the hockey gods on their side for three pucks to deflect off your, your own players and, and beat you. And yeah. you're absolutely right. And it brings me to my next question because you know, one of the things I saw during that game uh, against Colorado were people calling for the coaching staff to pull Carter Hart out of the game. And I was so firmly against that and that notion because, look, in, in the NHL as a goaltender, you got to be able to battle through sometimes yeah. against a really good opponent and in less than ideal circumstance. They played the night before as well, so I don't know what that would have accomplished, but I saw no scenario where Hart should have come out of that game. I think he can take more from that game and the way it played out than if you pull him out and protecting him. You pull him out, I think you're doing harm to him, and he's feeling inadequate. Right. Um, so I was all for keeping him in that game. Com- completely agree. Completely agree. You know, I mean, sometimes sometimes it has nothing to do with the goalie. It's a mercy pull. Yep. But this is a game where, you know what, they they got him for four in the first period. It's literally like the Florida game, yep. right? The Florida game gave up four. We're not on him at all. And actually, it was like I've I've seen periods. You know, I've seen goalies have periods where they don't give up anything. That were no better than the that period that you know that that uh, Hart had in Florida where they gave up four. Where there was no stopping any of them. And that's you know it's just hey it's 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 the team right. So, uh, 
But, you know, a little bit like where a starting pitcher might get roughed up a little bit early and then settle in. Yeah. Look at that sec- Look at that second period that Carter mm-hmm. Hart had. I mean, because he was he was still under siege, and he held the damage to one, you know, one friendly fire deflection past him. That That's a confidence builder. And whereas Ooh. if you pull him after 20 minutes, he's, you know, it, it's a bad feeling. Yeah, he goes into the he goes into the next game feeling like crap. He comes out of that and goes, "Okay, I got touched up in the first. I battled my way through it, and I didn't fold." And I think that that's part of building up the callus as a pro. And sometimes you got to have that callus, or else you know you can't have Paul Mall of hands the whole time. And he was good in that game and um, made some great saves. And I, I'm just I, I was stunned to see. Everybody's saying, I, look, I think some of that also is people, you know, they want to protect everything they have. And sometimes you got to let somebody have to protect themselves a little bit and empower them to do so. Um, last thing for you, Bill, you know, this team, you got the stretch run here. Mike Yo's got this group playing hard. Uh, the next coach is hopefully going to reap the rewards of some of the work that Mike Yo has done. Uh, but as we come down to the final couple, well, final month here, as April is going to kick in this week, um, what is it that you really want to see out of this final month, calendar month of the season? We'll have 15 games in the month. Still got a little bit of meat left on the bone here in in March with the, the game on Tuesday, but they'll begin April on Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs back home. Well, I would like to see, uh, you know, for one thing, I'd like to see the team close out some of these games where, they, where they're leading, you know third period games that are tied up by a goal. You know, I mean, the Flyers, the Flyers are going to be in the lottery regardless here, right? Yeah. They, they may move up or down a spot or two. Um, even if you, they're not going to finish with the worst record in the league, but even if you do, you still have less than a 20% chance of getting the first pick. Just just play the right way. Let the chips fall, fall where they may and learn, learn which, continue learning what you can, uh, you know, about some of the, the younger players. Um, you know, I'd like to see uh, the Flyers only have one, non-emergency call-up left, so it'll be interesting to see who that is, whether that's Wade Allison or Tanner Luzinski or, or how that's going to play out. But I'd like to see, you know, particularly Allison um, stay healthy, come back up and have him finish. Or just just some of these young players, uh, you know, who who will see how they how things go. And the other guy in particular of the circle there is uh, Owen Tippett. Yeah. Because so much is tied, you know, so much is that was tied in with the Giroux trade. I mean, he's such a big part of Getting some return on it, the first round pick is too far away to, to really even think about right now. Um, you know, we've seen some good things out of Owen Tippett. We've seen some areas he needs to still work on his game. Nice to see him shooting the puck so willingly. Yeah, um, you six know, shots um, against Colorado. Six shots against Colorado, and and a couple couple decent moments uh, in Nashville. I don't think it was a great game for him. Um, still has to get a little better off puck and just more consistency. But you know, that that's a guy who I think that, that if it clicks with him. Potentially could score in bunches, yeah. You know, and I would would love to see that. Would like to see him close strong, generate some offense, and you know, and just just have him be one of the guys who finishes with a good feeling. Yeah, he was he did that in the AHL where he would go on a heater, and he was on a heater prior to getting asset protected, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, asset managed. He had a seven game point streak, some multi point games in there as well. He's a guy that can absolutely do that and can score and. He seems to go to the right places offensively, drives the net incredibly well, bringing defenders down. He's got a couple of plays where he doesn't end up with a point on the goal, but everybody on the bench and in that locker room knows that he was a big part of it by what he did 
without the puck. For sure, for sure. And uh, you know, like like you you gave the example of taking the taking defenseman to the net. Yep. You know that 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 set up a lot of space for the guy who was the goal scorer. Yeah. You know, or uh, or just tying up a guy behind the net so somebody else else can swoop in and get the puck. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just just little things like that. Uh, there, there's been promise in that, and just a couple little give and goes. He's worked with Frost. None of them ended up in the net yet, but you could see where they could develop some chemistry, where those wheels start clicking at some point. So, you know, um, listen, you need in in the NHL today, you need three scoring lines. Yeah. Flyers are you know, Flyers are working on on building scoring lines here. If they have a third scoring line, the the elements of a third scoring line, then you have a, a you know you have a leg up on the off season where you know, you have you have a little potential scoring depth, whatever other moves you make to, to get better, because they are gonna have to A create some cap space and B try to land another frontline guy. And we'll see how all that works out. But I think that if you can you know, you can show some promise where you might be having a little more scoring up and down the lineup, which is something that the better teams have, even though the Flyers are not, you know, have the real top end guys. I mean that's uh, that's a positive. Yeah, look at 1920. They, they were balanced. They were getting it from all over the place. And that's a huge factor. Uh, Bill, thanks for doing this as always. Another Mondays with Meltzer in the bag. And uh, we'll break down the, well, we'll preview tomorrow, the Flyers in Minnesota Wild on another brand new edition. Uh, everybody check out Bill's work on NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily. Yeah.